0: You know, um, what's important in our worship is authenticity. When we worship, we're not singing songs. Although a lot of the time that's what we're doing. But worship is... Not that. You can sing songs and they can be great songs. But if there's no anointing, there's no point. Worship's about a giving of ourselves. A giving of ourselves the one we worship and you know um, we sang that song a few weeks ago didn't we? I'm sorry Lord for the things I've made it because it is all about Him when we worship we're ministering to Him we're giving of our hearts to Him we're adoring Him we're praising Him we're thanking Him but it is all about Him And and it's so important that we get that. It's so important that we grasp that. I just want to talk a little bit this morning about worship and about prayer. So you can scrap the slides again. When I say worship and when I say prayer, the two are not exactly the same, but they are interchangeable to a large extent. And that might surprise you. It might surprise you that they are interchangeable, but they only seem so different because we've made them different we've uh, kind of created things around worship, and created things around prayer, that makes them seem, um, I guess, things that we do. And they can never be just things that we do. We've kind of got to get that. These can't be just things that we do. Let's just wait. You have been given the greatest gift on earth. I don't know if you realize that. I don't even know if you know what that greatest gift is. The greatest gift that you have been given on earth is the ability to pray. And just by saying that, that... that, probably kicks off some things. You see, we talk about, don't we, that this power in prayer. And we go, more power, Lord, or something like that. And and we've got an idea of what prayer looks like. But the greatest gift that you have been given right now is the ability to pray. And you go, well surely it's salvation. Well salvation's a start. But Jesus never intended salvation to be an end. He intended that you enter into eternal life. And what is eternal life? That you might know him. Not that you might do Christianity. Not that you might do church. Not that you might have a particular idea about what you want your Christian life to look like. Eternal life is about knowing him. And if we don't know him, we haven't fully entered into what we've been given. I'm going to go to Ephesians chapter 6. And, well, no, maybe I'm not. I might do in a minute. But... See, the greatest gift that you have in your life is the ability to know God. Let me thought about that. The ability to know God. I don't mean give him a list of what we need. I mean to know him. And that's why I say that prayer is the greatest gift that you have been given. Because prayer is knowing God. The greatest gift you have been given is prayer, but not as we know it. And just so you know, I'm not talking about corporate prayer here. I'm talking about personal, individual prayer. And, you know... It's so important that we become a people who can deal with the meat and not just the milk, that we now grow, that now we now mature. Because there isn't the time now to take the slow route. We, we have to know these things. Every believer for 2,000 years has been offered the ability to know God. And yet so few have managed it. We talk about religion or relationship, don't we? And we say Christianity is a relationship. But the question is, how much of a relationship do we really have when we're honest about it? Is that because we've made things something that they aren't? And because of that, we miss out on what they're really meant to be. And prayer is about knowing God. You see, where does it give, come from? This gift. Well, in Hebrews chapter four, I'll just I'll just turn to it. You don't need to turn to it. Kind of conveniently put yellow stickies on earlier. Hebrews chapter four, verse sixteen. It's talking about how Jesus, unlike what Israel had dealt with up to that point, where they had to go through lots of things to get to God. And you couldn't ever really get to God. You could get to a priest who could go to a high priest who once a year got to God. And that, that was it. And it's he, and he's he's talking about how that has ended. And the thing that ends that is that Jesus pays for our sins. You know, Paul talks about all the fallen short of the glory of God. But now, because our sins have been paid for, we can enter into the glory of God. And, and the writer of Hebrews puts it like this. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. we have on offer the ability to come boldly before the throne of God. And I want to do it. I I want to know that I am in the presence of God. Not just I might be, but I want to know that I'm in the presence of God. You see, one one of the things that, that we've done in some ways, in, in our arrogance as, as believers, is we've said, yes, it's true. I have, um, I can come boldly before the throne of grace because Jesus died for me. His grace covers me. It's fine. That's who I am. And, and we have this idea that only, if only we, we know that and we understand that and we say we believe that, then that's it. It's almost like, if you, if you know who you are in Christ, that's it. So just believe it harder. These things are never just meant to be things that we believe. They're meant to be things we experience. And so when we say we can go boldly before the throne of grace, we actually genuinely want to go boldly before the throne of grace. It's no good saying, I can go boldly before the throne of grace, if we never do. And what does it feel like? What does it look like? What, what, what is it to do that? You know, when Jesus said, this is eternal life, that they might know you. He used a particular word there. And uh, that word is ginosko greek word and it doesn't just mean know about you or have information about you it doesn't actually mean that i'm acquainted with you so in this room i know i think i know everybody but i know everybody to different extents i know lots of things about most of you now you're starting to look worried that i know lots of things about most of you And the others are thinking, I wonder what he knows about them. (laughs) But that's not what this word means. This word, and I've written it down, means this. Intimate personal contact. To know the Messiah in all his dignity and divinity. And his consummate kindness towards us and the benefits of fellowshipping with him. It's the same word that is translated when it talks about a man and a woman becoming one in the marital bed. It's the same word. This is talking about that you might be at one with God. Not that you are God, but that you might be at one with God. Do you think what we're kind of turning down and missing out on? that I might be at one with God. And you see, here's here's the thing. I think we we, we pray for more power and we pray for God to move and we pray for revival and we pray for this and we pray for that, but we're not at one with God. So it doesn't have the power that we need. One of the things that I find really challenging is... um, Bob will remember this. We we went to Ukraine a number of years ago um, and we were in Boyaka and we were doing a a, like a a couple of nights there and I was praying for people that they might receive healing and and people were healed. And there was these fantastic testimonies. One lady um, recovered a lot of her sight. Just amazing things happening. But At the end of the meeting, there was this little boy and he was deaf. And I prayed for him six times and he didn't get his hearing back. And it broke my heart. See, it shouldn't be like that. I remember um, this story being related to me. Many of you have heard of a a guy called Orville Roberts. He had an incredible healing ministry in the 50s and he used to talk about this same thing how it used to break his heart not and and it was almost like he what he couldn't enjoy the ones that had been healed because it broke his heart for the ones that hadn't and you think well okay but that's a reflection of God's heart isn't it he breaks his heart for the ones that haven't and and old Robert says there, there was one night and it was it talks about 1952 in Jacksonville. And it stands out in his, it stood out in his memory because that was the one night when everybody in the big tent got healed. And they walked around afterwards and collected crutches and all sorts of things. Everybody, nobody not healed. Not in the Healing room at the back or anything. Every single person got healed, but it only happened once. And I'm believing that we will see a move with God where that happens. And when I'm talking to the Holy Spirit about this, he's saying, this is what we need to get. You need to be one with me. One with me. Knowing me, and if you think about it, when I'm talking about the most powerful thing in that you've been given is prayer, think about it you you have access to the one who is all wisdom, all powerful, all knowing, who, who can see the beginning from the end, he knows what the future holds. He knows what's happening in your your heart. He knows what's happening in other people's heart. He can see it all, and he's the only one with any ability at all to do anything about it. And so, in order to access that power that we have been given, we have to know the one in whom it resides. And you can say, well, you know, I've got the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in me, so... I can can do it all. I've got all the the power that, that is in me. I just need to believe it more. Well, where is it then? What results are we seeing? We need to see greater results, not boast about what we have done, but desire to see more than we've seen before. Ephesians 6.18 says this. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Now, I want you to see something there. Prayer is separated out from something called supplication. And you'll see in other stuff that Paul writes, he separates out this word prayer from um, petitions. See, there's all sorts of different things, but prayer is a thing of itself. Praying always in the Spirit. And, you know, we can pray always not in the Spirit. And I have to tell you, I'm bored with that. We can pray always, but it not be in the spirit. You can pray in the flesh. You can pray if you're a member of another religion. The thing is, did I meet Jesus? Did I go boldly before the throne of grace? Is there that knowing? Is there that oneness? And you know, when it says always that doesn't mean occasionally nor does it mean regularly because people can say well i always pray i always pray on a wednesday or i always pray on a monday it's not that's not the word there always the word translated there you might have heard that word in a different context it's the word kairos you've heard the kairos moments special moments the, the actual word means at the sharp point of something at the opportunity that will pass. That's what it means. And so what that's saying is, at every opportunity, at every sharp point of your day, the Holy Spirit is the one who's going to give you what you need, and the Holy Spirit's the one with the answer, so you better talk to Him. That's what Paul's saying. You you can't walk through these days, or those sharp points in every day, without talking to the Holy Spirit. Now, you can't do that. You can't pray always if prayer is the thing that we thought it was. You can only do that if prayer is relationship. Some people try and pray all day, all the time. But if there's no relationship and no knowing and no oneness, it kind of dries up and it's hard work. Trust me, I know I've done it. It's hard work. And he talks about being watchful to this end with all perseverance. That word watchful, what does that mean? Because these, these words are important. They, they chose them carefully. Paul chose these words carefully. And that word watchful means stay alert. You don't get any time off from this relationship with God if you're going to be okay. You don't get any time out because the enemy doesn't have any time out. So you don't get any time out. You stay alert. I don't know if we stay alert. I know, I I know, just from personal reflection. The problem about stuff that I've been preaching for the last six weeks or so is it's kind of very personal. So you kind of expose yourself, and you think, well, you know, they'll think I'm a terrible pastor. But you know what? I don't care. I don't care. I don't care what you think of me. I care what Jesus thinks of me. And and the point here is. You know, I haven't been alert. I don't stay alert. I get distracted all over the place. I fall asleep at the wrong moments. Not not literally, but sometimes literally. But you know what I mean. And and my often my first reaction to anything in my life is to be and try and fix it myself. And God's at the end. And God gets all these immensely excitable, long, pleading, desperate prayers because I've got to the end of myself. And what Paul's saying is you don't need to be at that place because if you're always in this relationship with the Holy Spirit, you don't have to get there. It's it's a natural way of living. And you see, the problem, I, I've become convinced that the problem with prayer is that people actually expect results without actually knowing the art of how to do it. And then they get disappointed because they don't have the results. And that, that's a real challenge to us, isn't it? Because we have to stop talking about stuff that we haven't seen. You know, I, I come across so much where people will want to tell you about, this is what will make revival happen or this is what they will do this or this is what they... And I'm going to tell you how to do your church and I'm going to tell you how to do this and, and, and everybody's got a different opinion. But if they're getting results, it's a different matter because that tells me there's a level of relationship there that I can learn from. So I'm looking for people who have the relationship with the Holy Spirit that I want to have for myself. And I have to tell you, they're not easy to find. I don't say that in in boastfulness. I say that because I need to really grow quickly but I can't find very many role models. Not because I'm so advanced, but just because we're not advanced. The body isn't. We, we, we don't grasp this, this being one, knowing Jesus this way. It's a bit like, you know, you can't, when I talk about the art of prayer, you can't play a musical instrument beautifully like the guys did this morning without practice. You could never have learned how to play in the first place without practice. I have to say, having, you know, kind of relearned a lot of this in the last few months. It's quicker and quicker to get in the presence of God, but it it comes with practice. It doesn't come because I want to get in there quicker. It comes with practice. And so we we have to practice this this art of prayer. So what, what is it? Let me say negative first. You can't just turn up because you need something. You can't just turn up because you need something. Because, yes, God's merciful. God's gracious. And a lot of the time you'll get it. But what he really wants is you. Prayer is relationship worship is relationship and relationship needs practice the devil's always telling me to practice harder you know relationship needs practice and however long you've been practicing Sean and i've been together for 41 years now seven dating and 34 married and we're still practicing but we're better than we were before and and you learn and you get to know each other. Let me say it this way. Prayer is not a luxury. It's not an add-on. It's a life. You go, how can prayer be a life? Well, let, let, me, let me kind of try and unpack that for you, which is where I'm going. The true nature of prayer is self-giving. The true nature of worship is self giving. You know, when, and I, you know, we've all done this, when you turn up in a room and you sing the songs, but you haven't given of yourself, you didn't really worship. I, I know lots of times I've sung the songs, and it's just not done me any good. You see, the true nature of prayer is self giving. I'm going to say something now and and just you can leave it there because I'm going to explain it. Unless your prayer is backed up by you, your answer will not be backed by God. I don't mean like you do something to make it happen. I mean you've invested you in it. See, Jesus didn't come and say, I am come that you might have eternal life. And this is eternal life that your prayers will get answered. His goal has always been that we would have relationship with him. His goal is not to do all this other stuff because his primary goal with Adam before we made, before Adam made a mess of it was to walk in the garden with him in the cool of the evening. So that Adam might know him and he might enjoy Adam. That's, that's God's goal. God cannot give you things apart from yourself. And you cannot take things from God apart from yourself. Let me put that the other way around. If you give yourself to him, he will give himself fully to you. The God of the universe will give himself fully to you. Well, where do you get that from, Mark? The Bible. That's good. James 4. Verses 7 and 8. Let me just go to those. If you've been around Faith Life for any length of time at all, you know these verses. In fact, I think these were kind of the 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 first life group teachings we did quoted this verse. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's good. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Let me just explain that, because here's the point. If you give yourself to him, he will give himself fully to you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. How's that work? Well, here's how it works. Firstly, he says you submit. It's voluntary. It's without pride. It's a laying down of own agenda. It's a submit. Now, that isn't a submit because you've been beaten into submission by God. It's not a submit because you're so desperate you've got nothing else to go to. It's a, it's a conscious choice that I'm going to live my life under God. And I'm going to give him everything that is of me. So I submit. And, you know, it, when you do that, it's not a chore. The, the words translated there mean to place yourself under God's arrangement. That would be cool, wouldn't it? Instead of placing ourselves under our arrangements, placing ourselves under God's arrangements, and and this word draw near, it's in, a, in a, it's in something called the perfect tense. What it means is immediate imminence. In fact, here, when you you look at the, the expansion of of what it's in, it's saying, it is here, the presence of God. The moment of coming has happened. Draw near to God. Give of yourself fully to God. And the moment of the presence of God, the moment of his coming happens. Do do you get it? Do you get what I'm saying? Because this this is kind of so important. Prayer that does not involve being fully given is not fully prayer. It might be partly prayer, it might be something else, but it's not fully prayer because prayer is about fully giving. You know, when you look at at personal prayer, when you look at your time with God, when we look at our time with God. We can only learn from the one who knew what he was doing, which is Jesus. Yeah, (laughs) because if we're short of role models, we might as well look to Jesus. And so I'm going like, okay, Jesus, I know you prayed a lot. This is great. Yeah, I know you went up mountains and abandoned disciples, poor disciples out on lakes and all sorts of things. But you went to pray and every time you, you kind of got a crowd off, you went off up the mountain to pray. So you went to spend time with your father. This is this is this is Jesus praying. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will be leaving me through their world, that they might all be one, as you, my Father, are in me. See, he's talking. He knows God. He's talking to his Father. And I in you. That they might also be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me I have given them. That they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me. That they may be perfect in one. And the world will know that you sent me and have loved me. Love them as you have loved me. How does the world know Jesus has sent the church? When the church is one with Jesus. Him and me, me and him. Not just an abstract thing to say, you know, that's my brand of Christianity. But in reality, him and me, me and him. No division, no separation, oneness, one heart, one person fully given under the arrangements of God, by choice, giving of myself fully, knowing that as I do so, he's giving of himself fully to me. It's incredible stuff, isn't it? Is it possible? Yes. Yeah. Is it common? No. How is it possible? How do we know? Because people have been like this through the years. Smith Wigglesworth disappeared off into the spirit realm for hours on end to spend time with the one he loved. Sat in his armchair. Other people. Amy Sample McPherson, Catherine Kuhlman, Charles Finney. And what happens? What follows their ministry? What follows their ministry is revival. And what is revival? The world knowing that he is God. And how do they know he is God? Because we are one with him. That's prayer. That's the art that we need to practice. You see, the problem is that many of us fail to ever realize this. And I have a lot of my time in my life. That we, we kind of fail to realize what it's all about, what this prayer stuff's all about. And you know, then it becomes, it's always, please do this, Lord. Bless this, Lord. Give me this, Lord. Send this, Lord. And, and we, we kind of have this idea that if we can get more and more people to pray more and more, 24-7, everywhere, something magical will happen. But it's not about quantity. Yeah. Revivals seemingly always start with a few people who've discovered that you can know God. You know, prayer isn't this one-way street. It's not me giving my list. Or me telling God what I'd like. You know, so, some of us, we go, Lord, I want more of you. And, and we do, we genuinely want more of him. But we want it without giving ourselves fully to him. And it needs us to give ourselves fully to him so he will give himself fully to us. And you know, it's so much, isn't it? You, you, you see this so much. Give me Lord, give me Lord, give me this, give me that, give me, send this Lord, do this, give me this, give me this. That's not prayer. Prayer is, I give you me, Lord. And I want you. That's what prayer is. Talking to him on that basis, that I want you. So I give you me. And, you know, when you do it, it's kind of just incredible. I've had moments the last couple of weeks where the Holy Spirit just he just plonks himself. There's no other word for it. He just comes and sits in my man cave. And I can tell when he's there. But not only can I tell when he's there, I can feel when he's there and I can hear when he's there. it's just different it's like this peace just comes it's just peace it's kind of like all is okay with the world is all okay with the world no but in my world all is okay you know i remember that, that my younger self there's some things that i would ask for in prayer and I would be desperate for them. And I'd plead for them. And, and like week after week, I'd pray for them. And I'd go, God, why are you not answering this? Why are you not answering this? And, you know, I, I wouldn't let go. Because, you know, I'd learned that you should be persistent in prayer. You know, knock and you'll get. Ask and you'll receive and all that sort of stuff. And, and I've be doing that. But, you know, one of the things that I find is that I look back on some of the things that I asked for now. And if I got them, it would have been so destructive for me. would have been so destructive. Because I don't have perfect knowledge. I don't have perfect wisdom. I can't see the future. But I can boldly go before the grace of the one who can. If God had answered some of my prayers that I prayed... For so long, it could have been the worst thing in the world for me. Holy Spirit wants to talk about this again next week, by the way. But, you know, one of the things that I paid for for years would be that we would see revival. And it, it wouldn't bypass our church when it came. And, you know, for years we had people who would come and they come as, as like speakers to the church and come to conferences that we were hosting and so on and almost without fail they would say something special about our church and that our revival was coming to England it was going to start in Cambridge and it was going to start with us. And That, that was kind of the gist of it. And I, I remember spending hours and hours in prayer asking God to, to send his spirit, to send revival and all the rest of it. And I meant it. And there's there's been points where it was so close that you could kind of almost touch it. In fact, sometimes there's one or two occasions where we thought it had arrived. And yet it kind of faded away every time. And there, there might be all sorts of reasons for that. But looking back, the reason... The reason I focus on is that I think if God had sent revival at that point in time, it would have destroyed our church and possibly me. Does God want revival in our nation? Yes, of course he does. But he's more concerned with it not harming us and destroying us. If we're not in the right place with him, it will kill us. Almost every great revival is ended badly. The revival is genuine, but the enemy can use it, and so you get to this point where you think, "I'm not going to pray for revival anymore." <laughs> But you still go to prayer meetings to pay for revival, but you're kind of not expecting anything. And I'm not really sure what we would do if it happened. But that's a good place to be, not knowing what you'd do if it happened. Because then you'd have to rely on the Holy Spirit. I got to the point where I'm thinking, you know, I was looking back and thinking, that would have been awful if you'd answered my prayers, God. That would have been awful. And yet, he's been stirring in me again a belief that we will see revival in my lifetime. And I don't know whether, how I feel about that. But as he's stirring it, I'll believe him for it. But what I am sure of is we need. To be a people where it is all about Him. Because too often it's been about something else. And it needs to be all about Him. And for it to be all about Him, we have to give ourselves fully to Him. Otherwise it'll be about us. Do I want revival? Of course I do. Does God want revival? Of course He does. I want God more than I want revival and he wants me more than he wants revival and that's so amazing isn't it prayer is fully giving of ourself to God so that he will give does give himself fully to us Let's stand.
1: just going to pray, so why don't you just get yourself in that place before God. We'll all be at different points in this journey. but If anyone has ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church right now, then this is it. half of us, I just say that I want you more than I want anything else. Jesus, I love you more than I love anything else. Holy Spirit, I love you more than anything else. I so know how my heart is frail and weak and I so know how tomorrow morning maybe I'll stay in bed instead of getting up or maybe I'll forget to think of you at that moment when I'm at work instead of calling out you but God my heart my heart longs for you above all else my heart longs that I walk in fellowship with you through every moment of every day God my heart longs that I know you That I know you and that I allow you to know me intimately. I don't want to hold back anything from you. I don't want to only give you a part. I want to give you it all. That Jesus, Jesus, you receive all glory and you receive all honor. And that you are seen through your people in this land. So God, we say to you, Lord, you have my heart and we will search for yours. Take my life. Lead me on. Teach us, Holy Spirit. Teach us, Holy Spirit, how to fellowship, how to commune. Each and every moment of our day. with Father, Son and Holy Spirit.